0: What's up, Everlast? How are you doing tonight? Yes! Amen, amen. Hey, can we give God glory for such a sweet time of worship? Thank you, Wes and Jeremy, for leading us. Amen. Well, hey, my name is Kev, and I'm the young adult pastor here at Calvary Worship Center. And, and of course, Everlast is our young adult ministry. It's our desire to encounter Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to make Jesus known. Can you all say that with me? to encounter Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to make Jesus known. Amen. Um, if it's your first time here tonight at Everlast, what's up? Welcome. Hi. We're so, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, please do me a favor. Please do us a favor. At the end of tonight, go to the Life Center, and our, one of our volunteers, leaders, will, uh, will just get you a, a gift to say thanks for coming tonight. Um, well, uh, yeah, it's it's... By the way, it's good to officially be be back. Uh, Yes, amen. Um, Just our normal swinging things here on Tuesday nights. Uh, This past month was our quote-unquote summer fun month in July. And y'all, it was such a blast. We started out the month uh, in July. We did a night of worship. That was such a sweet night. Uh, Then we had our annual aloha night. And uh, did y'all like, I, I don't know what that was. I think Aloha is more like that. Anyways, how many of y'all were there for this, our Aloha Night? Woo! See, that's what I'm talking about. I'm telling y'all, it was, this, this was our second annual Aloha Night. It was epic. I think we have some pictures to show. Look at that. Look. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, yeah, there's a water balloon toss. That was, that was nuts. Here's our leaders of volunteers. Such a fun night. Listen, I'm telling you guys. We can't wait for next year's Aloha Night, and you do not want to miss it. So it's in July of next year. You can kind of mark your calendar that, that far in advance. Uh, our, the third week of July, we went to Whirly Ball, and then the final week of July, we rented out an entire movie theater to go see Top Gun Maverick. It was so good. So yeah, to put it simply, our summer fun month was fun. I was going to do awesome, but fun. It's perfect. That, I should have said that. But now that we're back, y'all, we are, uh, as you can tell from the, uh, the, uh, the bumper video, we're hopping into a brand new series, and uh, we couldn't be more stoked about this. Uh, why? Well, this new series, we truly believe, is foundational to the believer in Jesus Christ. But it's also something, unfortunately, that the believer can easily misunderstand, misrepresent, or get mixed up. Our new series, uh, as you saw, is called Created to Worship. And over the, ne- over the course of the next five weeks... Uh, it's our goal to show you five ways um, on how God created us to worship. Now to preface, this, these five ways to worship God that we're going to be working through is not, you know, the end-all, say-all ways of worship. Uh, these are simply just five ways that the Bible encourages us to worship God through. The first way we're created to worship is uh, we were created to worship through Thanksgiving. All right? We were created to worship God through thanksgiving. With that being said, let's get started. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for the word of God? Hallelujah. Amen. Please grab your Bibles. Let's turn to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Again, that's Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. All right, here we go. And as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, and Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Can we say amen to that? Let's pray. Ask God to speak to us specifically as we continue to worship through his word. Father in heaven, you are holy. You are mighty, and we honor you. If you feel led, you can maybe just reach reach a hand up to the Lord and just, as we say, God, we honor you. We love you. Thank you for loving us and supplying us the grace to live each day. Thank you for the work that you're doing in and through this young adult ministry. We're so grateful, God. I pray that you would continue to speak to us as we worship you through your word. Help us to grow in our understanding of what it means to be thankful. God, please help us in this. What it means to worship you through Thanksgiving. Help us to surrender all of our thoughts and affections to you. And now I'll just give you a brief moment. I'd encourage you to pray for your own heart. Pray this simple prayer. God, please speak to me tonight. Pray that same prayer for the person on your left and right. Say, God, would you please speak to them tonight? And lastly, I would just kindly ask that you please pray for me, that God would use me to make things clear and helpful. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fish, fish were designed to swim. The sun, everybody make a sun. The sun (laughs) was designed to shine. Pizza was designed to be the best food ever. You and me, you and me, we, were designed for worship. This honestly doesn't even in the slightest bit, require a rocket scientist to figure out. Humans worship every day and don't even know it. To cut to the chase, everlasting. <laughs> Let me just write out the box, ask y'all a question tonight. Can I do that? Do you worship creation or the creator? End of the day, you need to know this. You're either worshiping God or something else. You, you, it's not both. You, you can't do both. It can't be both. I love how pastor and author Paul David Tripp puts it when it comes to worship. I think it's on the screen for you. Check it out. He says, sin kidnaps our worship, but grace works to restore it to its rightful owner, that is God. It's only when God is in his rightful place in our hearts that everything else is in its appropriate place in our lives. Why else is it, y'all? That we spend countless hours watching entertainment that we're not really fully satisfied. I mean, literally, it's been released by tech software engineers that worked for Netflix. This was released in 2019. And other streaming services. That the purpose as to why when one episode ends and then the next one automatically begins in five seconds is so that you will consume more and more and more. Netflix wants you to spend more hours watching Netflix. And the product team is engineering the product to make it more addictive. Hence, we aren't satisfied with just one episode. Why else is it that we keep looking at how many views and likes that our post has? Why else is it that we're always looking for the next best restaurant? Why why else is it that we feel anxious when we check our bank account again and again? Why else is it that we can't sleep because of all that's on our plate and the stress that comes with it? For those who have kids, why else is it that your children are reluctant to obey? Why else is it that we want to say every cuss word in the book when we get cut off? Why why else is it that we hate to be told what to do by our bosses? Why else is it that we work so hard to present ourselves more ready and knowledgeable and capable than we actually really are? Why else is it that we hesitate to get advice from the pastor, leader, or wise friend? Why else is it that when we actually do get advice from the pastor, ca- you know, leader, or, or, or wise friend, that we get so defensive when they actually call us out and hold us accountable? Even if they do it in a grace-filled and loving way. Why else? Why? The answer seems too straightforward and simplistic. But it's the answer nonetheless. The answer to every one of those questions I just read. Sin. Sin. Listen, sin makes us creation focused. Thanksgiving makes us creator-focused. I'm going to read a pretty large passage. It's on the screen. Romans 1, 18 through 23. The references on the screen you can turn there real quick if you can keep your spot uh, keep your spot in Luke Romans chapter one verses 18 through twenty three let you turn there real quick for the wrath here it is yeah Romans one eighteen through twenty three for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creepy things. Y'all, it's hard to accept, but vital to humbly admit. Bad things happen when we attempt to live as we were not created to live. Can I, can, 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 y'all, can I say that one more time? Bad things happen when we attempt to live as we were not created to live. Sin causes us to deny our need for God and others. Sin causes us to assign to ourselves ourselves the wisdom, strength, and righteousness that we do not have. Sin causes us to dethrone God and enthrone ourselves. Sin is shockingly proud and self-assured. Sin causes us to be self-reliant and self-sufficient. Sin really does cause us all to fall into the delusion that we can be like God. Again, sin causes us to worship creation rather than the creator. And because sin does this to all of us, y'all, it's dark, deceitful, and dangerous. Everlasting. Self-reliance and self-sufficiency as your fundamental approach to life will never lead to anything good. Sin always leads to death of some kind of way. So we need to be rescued from our quest for independence and brought into relationship with the one who really does have everything we need. And that's exactly what the grace of Jesus does for us. Ephesians 2 tells us that um, by God's grace we've been saved through our faith. If you haven't yet trusted Jesus and you're you're here tonight, we're so glad you came. If you haven't yet trusted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, his grace is the only thing that can save you. Once your worship gets off of self and off of the world and onto the creator of the world, it's there where you find complete um, contentment in relationship with him. That's why we sing, I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. It's exactly why we sing that. It's there where you find true joy, peace, and rest. If you have placed your faith in Jesus, I'm glad you're here, too. <laughs> We're glad you're here. And listen, if you are feeling a stirring in your heart to turn away from your self-reliance and self-sufficiency, y'all, that's awesome. Starts with an R and ends with Repentance. <laughs> repentance. Y'all, tonight you can very easily open up your hands and ask God to realign your desires with his. He is faithful to forgive and remind you of your first love in him. He's everything. Y'all, we were designed and created to worship Jesus. Everlast, yes, you, you, right? Everybody, individually. You. <laughs> were individually, specifically made To worship God and to live for his glory. Moving forward tonight, let me share with you a handful of very common ways we associate worship. We associate worship with going to church. Singing is a big one. Praying and reading the Bible. Would it be correct to say that these things are ways we were created to worship? Absolutely yes. Absolutely. While these things are common ways we worship God, the overall goal of the series that we're in is to discuss through ways that maybe aren't talked about as much. We're definitely going to be talking about these things, but, so, and honestly these four ways that I just mentioned, you know, going to church, singing, praying, reading, reading the Bible, these are, y'all, those are great ways of worship. Hallelujah. Amen. But they are just that. They are ways that point to an overall definition of worship that we need to know. Worship is a lifestyle. I think that's on the screen for you. Worship is a lifestyle. Is that on the screen for you? It's not on the screen for you. It's really short. You can just know it. Worship is a lifestyle. Have you ever heard that before? Okay. That this right here, it, it's a very it, y'all, it's a that is a very common definition of worship amongst the church today. It is. Is it an incorrect definition? By all means, no. But just because that definition is spot on and the church, for the most part, agrees with this definition, doesn't mean that the definition is actually playing itself out through the church. I want to put it this way. Worship being a lifestyle, what does that mean? Worship being a lifestyle means that you are loving God through your thoughts Your words, your attitude, and actions. Woo, y'all, that'll preach all day. All day. Worship being a lifestyle means that you are loving God through your thoughts, words, attitude, and actions. Check it out. On the screen, you're about to see a handful of examples that can either be worship unto the Lord or not. Actually, they're not on the screen. They're not on the screen. I'm getting that wrong a lot tonight. Uh, They're on screen. Listen close to these, though. Listen close. These are a handful of examples that can either be worship unto the Lord or not. Just, Just hone in with me. Genuinely listening and not waiting to talk. Being patient with your spouse, kids, friends, or relationships. Using your finances to bless someone else. Speaking of finances, paying your bills on time. Some of y'all need to hear that one, right? It's like, ouch. It's a great way to worship the Lord. To honor the Lord. Leaving a place that you visit better than you found it. Serving in a ministry area at church here. Having a humble here's a big one. Having a humble and coachable spirit. These and the like are always to worship. Worship is a lifestyle. Like I mentioned at the beginning, one way that we're focusing on tonight and and, and most definitely reflects a lifestyle of worship is through Thanksgiving. I truly believe, y'all, I truly believe that this way that we were created to worship God through is at the center of it all and one that God cares deeply about. Thanksgiving. Let's go back to our first passage tonight as there is one main thing I will be focusing on. Luke chapter 17. But can we specifically please go to verses 15 through 19? just going to go to that. Luke 17, verses 15 through 19. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he's a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he, Jesus said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. What did the one leper do? What did the one leper do? Well, it says that he, what, fell on his face, giving him thanks. Did you catch it? Did y'all catch it? (laughs) This dude's actions came before his words. His words were simply evidence of his action. (laughs) You know what this means, right? Thanksgiving isn't just something we say. It's something we do. As a matter of fact, the original Greek word for thanks is eucharisteo, Got to get your hawking out for this one. You harasteo. I think the phonetic uh, spelling is on the screen for you for your hawking convenience too. I think it might. I don't know if it is or not. You harasteo. Can y'all say that? You harasteo. Yeah. The literal definition is to be thankful to give thanks. Elsewhere in the New Testament, such giving of thanks is always directed to God always directed to God By the way there's 37 37 other occurrences of this specific verb in the New Testament So it seems to me God is trying to communi- communicate something to us here something very important So this dude just healed of his disease fell on his face and gave thanks to Jesus It's only one verse later where Jesus said, Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? So if you notice, just common study skills, you know, observant skills, just being observant to God's word. If you notice, this man gave thanks and then Jesus directly associated it with giving praise. Simply put, thanksgiving equals worship. Can y'all say that? Thanksgiving equals worship. You can write that down. Super simple. Thanksgiving equals worship. I love how John Piper says it. He says, genuine thankfulness is an act of the heart's affections, not an act of the lips' muscles. <laughs> I love that. Y'all, the Bible literally oozes thanksgiving. Let's check out these handful of verses. Now, I know these are definitely on, on the screen. Psalm 107, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 7, 17. I will give thanks to the Lord. I'm sorry, I will give to the Lord the thanks due his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be what? Thankful. Philippians 4.6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Later talks about this exchange and the peace of God, which surpasses our understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Lastly, let's read this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, for you. Something to know on the last two verses we just read. 1 Thessalonians 5 18 and Philippians 4 6. If you notice the specific verbiage that Paul's using, he wrote to give thanks in, in all circumstances. And he said, he said in 1 Thessalonians, and that's, that's God's will. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He's saying that's the will of God for you. Pretty crazy, right? Give thanks in all circumstances. While studying, I came across a pretty helpful and cool quote by Dr. Tony Evans. Hang with me on it. It talks about this. Dr. Tony Tony Evans says, God says to give thanks in everything. That doesn't mean you need to give thanks for everything. That's kind of the stretcher one. Hang with it. You don't need to give thanks for that bad day or for that bad relationship or for being lied to by a friend or for being passed over at work, or whatever it is, whatever it may be. You are not to give thanks for the difficulties, but rather in the difficulties. That is a very important distinction that one I think we often miss. Giving thanks in everything shows a heart of faith that God is bigger than the difficulties, and that he can use them if you reproach him with the right heart and spirit for your your good in, in his glory. Now, this can be, it was stretching for me to read it first. This can be stretching for some of us. Before we start to dissect the quote, let me just tell you what I think he's trying to communicate here, okay? Like we read, we clearly see in both 1 Thessalonians and Philippians that God wants us to give thanks in everything. That's as clear as day. Clear. What I believe Dr. Tony Evans is talking about, and more importantly what the Word of God is telling us, is that there is simply a distinction between for and in. We don't have to be some type of super Christian that thanks God for every bad thing that happens to us. Everlast. I I know just like, I know just like I'm sure you know, people who have absolutely been through the ringer, yourself included. I mean, y'all, I literally know people who have been raped. Know them personally. Personally. I know people who have lost their parents. I know people who've lost their children. Literally, just hug the neck of a sweet couple here, I attend our church. Their sweet boy, literally just—he's six years old, bit by a rattlesnake. Now's now he gets to grow up in glory, like Pastor Al says. I know people who have financially lost it all, etc. Take Tina and I, for example. Me and my lovely bride. We had a miscarriage. Our baby we were so excited to have didn't live. Were we thankful for that? No. It was awful. Were we thankful in it? I can honestly say we tried to exemplify that. Being thankful, as you know, isn't always easy because life really, really hurts at times. I tell you what, though, you want to talk about a testimony? Thanksgiving literally shifts the atmosphere, it shifts the atmosphere. Here's where I think the problem lies, is where some Christians, myself included, can at times take on this type of legalism and like a quote-unquote white knuckle, I've got to always bite the bullet and thank God for everything. That's clearly not what thanking God in all circumstances means. No, what we're called to do as Christians is this. We thank him in the bad for the good he'll bring out of the bad. If I know that he is working all things for my good, if I know that his ways are higher and better, if I know that his character is one of grace and understanding, if I know he has a plan that will prosper me and not harm me, or check this out, even if I knew Nothing else good would ever happen to me on this earth, because He is good, and nothing can take away my relationship with Him now and my future with Him later. I can give thanks in all circumstances. Again, it's just a distinction between that's that's what it's communicating. Of course. It's appropriate to thank God for things. Of course. Don't take that further than it needs to be. Just really clarifying the distinction between for and in. Amen? Now listen, do you want to know what is Thanksgiving's greatest enemy? (laughs) Yes. Complaining. Thanksgiving's greatest enemy is complaining. If complaining is the diagnosis, then thanksgiving is the cure. Y'all listen close. Every day of your life, you will find reasons to complain. And every day of your life, you will have reasons to be thankful. These two themes, complaint and thankfulness, pull at the heart of each of us. Y'all, they form fundamentally different ways of viewing the world because they are rooted in fundamentally different ways of viewing yourself. I'm I'm about to ask you a lot of questions that I really really am asking you. Please take the time. We've got plenty of time. Just take the time just to consider and think about. They're going to be on the screen. I want you to think through these. What is your default language? What is your default language? What is that language? Okay, well, do you find it easier to complain than to give thanks? Is grumbling the background noise of your existence? Are you easily irritated and quickly impatient? Do mundane things get under your skin? Really take this next one to heart if you can. (laughs) Would the people who, who live nearest to you characterize you as a thankful person or a complaining person? Do you look at your world and find yourself blown away at the many reasons you have every day to give thanks? Do you see yourself as one who has been showered with blessings? Are you humbled by the myriad of things in your life that you regularly enjoy, but that you can never argue that you deserve? And lastly, how often do you whisper thanks to God or communicate thanks to those around you? I love that one. I'll be honest, Everlast, I really try to whenever I'm driving or out and about or going about my day, whatever it is, to To thank God, what a beautiful practice. To thank my wife, to thank my family, my friends, you guys. How often do you whisper thanks to God? I quoted Paul David Tripp earlier and want to read something else of his that really hits this on the nose. Bless you. Listen to this. I think it's on the screen for you, too. Complaint really is an identity issue. If you have placed yourself in the center of your world, if you have reduced your active field of concern down to the small confines of your wants, your needs, and your feelings, if it really is all about you, then you will live with an entitled, quote, I deserve blank attitude, And because you do, you will have a constant reason to complain. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. If in reading those questions a moment ago, that quote that we just read in this Bible verse, that Philippians 2.14. If you feel convicted and something resonating in you to change, then let me encourage you tonight. Ask God to give you an exchange. Y'all, recently bought two shirts. I was so, I was so stoked. These shirts look so cool. I was like, yes, I'm, I'm really trying to go into this Hawaiian shirt phase. I just I'm just owning it. I don't care. I'm excited. 100% rayon. It's just like flowy, oh, goy, comfy. Yes. Y'all, they were too small. I very easily could have just said this. Oh, man, that sucks. I guess I just wasted money. Instead of just simply driving to the store and asking them to exchange it. All I need is to bring my receipt. That's all I need to do. If, gosh, y'all, even like a grain of sand, little bit of complaint, sorry, grain of sand complaint of grumbling is in your heart, which we would all, I would say, could raise our hands to that and say, yes, that's me. Amen. (laughs) If grumbling or complaining is something you lean towards instead of thanksgiving, bring the receipt of prayer to God. He will gladly make that exchange. He'll give you a thankful heart real quick. Real quick. Paul David Tripp goes on to say this. If you humbly admit that as a sinner, you deserve nothing but God's wrath, that that in an act of outrageous grace, he has turned his face of mercy and kindness towards you. that every good thing in your life is an undeserved blessing, you will find reasons to be grateful everywhere you look. Feelings of needing thankfulness rather than entitlement and disappointment will fill your heart. I'm going to go and read this full passage. We read it a few moments ago. I'm going to go back to it. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your revisitableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There's that exchange. There it is. Thanks everlasting. Write this down. It's on the screen. If you can remember to write it down or remember right down that's weird just write it down thanks i'm going to read it, i'm going to say it slow thanksgiving is designed to move the meditation of your heart from self-centered complaint to god-glorifying praise thanksgiving is designed to move the meditation of your heart from self-centered complaint to God-glorifying praise. Everlast, you're either worshiping God or something else. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship being a lifestyle means that you're loving God through your thoughts, words, attitude, and actions. Right? We were created to worship God just like we were created to worship, or it's just like water is wet, being thankful is worship. Is your here's a great question. Is your life marked by thanksgiving or, or complaining? I'll leave you with this quote. I'm gonna leave you with this quote. A spirit of thankfulness. This quote's by Billy Graham, by the way. A spirit of thankfulness is one of the most distinctive marks of a Christian whose heart is attuned to the Lord.